Amen. Amen. Pentecost happened about 50 days after the Passover in the Jewish calendar. It happened 50 days. That's why the word Pente, actually 50th. And it is also the 50th day after the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. How appropriate it is. And Pentecost is not just a one-time event. Oh, it happened about 2,000 years ago. Well and fine, good and wonderful for them. But it is a continuous event. It is a continuous experience. And I believe that it will continue even until Jesus Christ comes again. And so it is very important for us to understand what God is doing here at Pentecost. It is a new dispensation, a new era that He has never done anything like that before in the Old Testament. But with the coming of the Holy Spirit, everything has changed. The Bible here tells us in the, in the passage that I have read to you, there was significant evidence of the coming of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we can be so caught up in the symbols of the wind and of the fire and of tongues that we lose the main message. But let us look into the text once again and see what this is all about. First of all, it is a fulfillment. It is a fulfillment of all that God has promised. You see, God always keeps His promises. Somebody say, Amen. God always keeps His promises. The text that we have just read in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4 can be understood only in the context of the earlier passage in Acts chapter 1. And that was when Jesus was still around with the disciples in His post-resurrection appearances. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he told the disciples very, very clearly, wait for the promise of the Father. He used the words, the promise of the Father. Don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. But wait for the promise of the Father. You see, the Father has promised the Holy Spirit. It seems to have taken a long time in coming. But God always keeps to His promises. That promise was given even in when, when, when Jesus was around in John chapter 14, verse 16. He says, it is necessary that I go because if I do not go, the Holy Spirit will not come. But when I go, the Father will send you another helper, another counselor. He will be the one who will lead you and keep you. Praise God for that. And so, Peter, after being filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, in verse 14, uh, uh, verse 16, to 18 he quoted Joel and says this is dead which was spoken of by the prophet Joel in other words this is a promise that God has given and he has kept his promises 
God always keep His promises. And guess what? The greatest promise is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, what do you think you need most in life? Some of you will immediately say, money, money, money. I need money. Yeah. But what is the greatest need in your life? Some of you will say, I need a job. Some of you who are sick may say, I need healing. Some of you who are single may say, I need a spouse. Somebody to love me or to share my life with. All these are very valid. But Jesus gave us the greatest thing, the greatest promise, because He knows the greatest need in our life, and that is the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. This is the greatest promise that God has ever given to us. But it is a fulfillment, not just of the promises of God, it is a fulfillment of the prophecy in the Bible. Oh, God has already prophesied on the coming of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3, God says, I will pour water on the dry ground, in the wasteland, in the desert. I will pour my Spirit upon you and upon your descendants. That was in the year 700 B.C. Before Christ, the promise of the Holy Spirit was already given. And when Joel prophesied, he says, in the last days, I will pour forth my Spirit upon all flesh. That was 500 BC. And now, on the day of Pentecost, it was fulfilled. The promises of God is not just a program, but rather a person. God promised us a person, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it, IT, no. It is a, he is a person. Called by many names in the Bible. And He is real. And Jesus says, he will teach you all things. He will direct you. He will lead you. We need the Holy Spirit. It is not about man's program, but it is about God's promise. And how was this promise fulfilled? How was the Holy Spirit given? The Bible says it was, there was a fire. A fire. A fire that shows God's presence and God's power. Earlier on, even in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist has already said, After me will come one. Now he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with what? Fire. Everybody say, Fire. Come on, steady with gusto. Fire. Yes, He will baptize you with, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And indeed, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, there was fire in the form of tongues that descended upon every single one in that room, 100 
and 20 of them. You see, fire in the Bible is a symbol of God's presence and power. In the, and, and there are so many scripture verses you know, that we can go through with regard to God's manifestation in fire. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 36. God says, My, I have spoken to you out of the heavens and I have spoken to you even in the fire. And in Deuteronomy 9.3 and Hebrews 12.29, the Bible tells us that God, our God, is a consuming fire. Is a consuming fire. And as I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met.
body today to heal you of every diseases and every sicknesses. You can have the fire of the Holy Spirit in your relationships today to grant you favor in all areas. Oh, fire of God, fall afresh on me. You can have the fire of God, the fire of the Holy Spirit upon your witness today so that you can boldly share the love of Jesus Christ with the unsaved and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with courage, with boldness. The fire of God changed the disciples, the apostles. Their life would never be the same again. Fresh fire, fall on me. Let this be your prayer. And before the end of the service, I believe that the fire of God will come upon your lives and will change you even totally. So it is not about man's abilities, but it is about God's possibilities and power. So it was a fulfillment and there was a fire. Thirdly, there is a feeling. A feeling. God has an overflowing for each and every one of us. God wants to fill us with His presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Bible here tells us in Acts chapter, or rather in uh, Matthew 3.11 that we have uh, uh, looked at just now and also Luke 3.16. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The baptizer is Jesus. Only Jesus can baptize us. So when we come before the Lord, when we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we say, Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Spirit and with fire according to your words. And that's what happened in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. The Bible tells us that, yes, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But then before that, there was also the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The word fill is very important because, hey, just one word, just one word, fill. But it shows the different way that God has been dealing with His people from the Old Testament to the, present, to the, to the, to the day of Pentecost. Never before has God done that. In the past, the Holy Spirit just came down upon certain individuals. But now, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled to the fullness. To the fullness. In other words, they were, they, they, their whole being was taken possession of by the Holy Spirit. Yes, God has never worked in that way before. But now it's a new dispensation. The infilling of the Holy Spirit where God begins to dwell, reside in His people and our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He comes not to visit us. He comes to reside. 
stay in each and every one of us. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word Holy Spirit, oh, comes from the Hebrew word, roh. Roh. And the Greek here in Acts chapter 2 is, of course, pneuma. Translated as wind, as wind or breath. Our theme for this year is breathe, breathe. And so we are talking about the Holy Spirit, whose name is actually wind or breath. And now when he came down on the day of Pentecost upon the 120 disciples there, there was no wind. And here is where many of us think that there was a, oh, a tornado sweeping through that room. No. But the Bible says there was a sound. You like to hear the sound of heaven? How does the sound of heaven sound like? Liu was very careful to tell us that. To, to tell us that there was the sound the sound of the Holy Spirit, and it sounded like... <sighs> now, this is not loud enough. <sighs> not loud enough. Not violent enough. But the Bible said there was the sound of a rushing, mighty, violent wind. Just a sound. Their hair was not blown in the wind. And they were all still where they were. Nobody was swept off their feet. But there was the sound. And it was a rushing, mighty wind. And the disciples knew how God had worked in the past. There was a familiar sound of the wind of God. And they immediately likened that to the Holy Spirit. Yes. And immediately they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Our theme verse on brief, taken from John chapter 20, 22. Jesus breathed on the disciples. As we have said, there was the same kind of action of God. Even in Genesis itself. When God breathed upon the nostrils of man and man became a living soul. In this case, they could hear the breathing of God. Symbolically speaking, they could hear the breathing of God and it was like a rushing mighty wind. Friends, as God had worked by fire in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, God also worked through wind. Do you know that? When God wanted to speak to Elijah, He, speak, he spoke to Elijah out of the whirlwind that tore apart even the mountains. And wind is a common <clears throat> symbol also of the presence and of the power 
of God, of the power of the Holy Spirit. When God wanted to part the Red Sea, He just breathed and there was a powerful wind that just separated the Red Sea. God has always used wind. Why? Now wind actually is here, right here. Or what we call air. Wind is actually air in motion. If there is a fan that just, you know, that just blows on you, you can feel the air. You can feel the wind already. So wind or air is a fitting symbol of God because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And you cannot live without it. Now there is a slight breeze. There may be a slight breeze. But sometimes God moves in such a powerful, violent way. He will just sweep aside. Even the sins of the nation, he will shake the nation to its very core. The wind of God is powerful and it's working. And many times, it is not, the, not, not in the destructive sense. It is in the refreshing sense. It is renewing. It is refreshing. It is reviving in the presence of God. Sometimes when I play golf, the beauty about golf is you play in different courses, it's all different, and oh, it's just out in nature. Sometimes, that, sometimes it's just, uh, there's no wind at all, and it's so hot, and you are sweating. We call that humid, very humid Malaysia. But at times when there is a wind, wow, it's so nice. And sometimes I just stand there, stretch out my arms, and say, breath of God. Breathe on me. You remember that posture? Jack and Rose on the Titanic. Oh, they feel the wind blowing. Breath of God, breathe on me. We need a refreshing breath of God. How many of you need a wind of God? Because you have no wind left in your life. Your Christian life is a chore. You have no wind left. There's no more mileage. And you feel like just dropping out. You need a fresh breath of God into your life once again. The wind of the Holy Spirit, like a rushing, mighty wind of God. So, brothers and sisters, we need an encounter. Encounter of fresh fire and fresh wind. And many times, revival is depicted as fire and wind. When the Holy Spirit comes, He revives every single soul. He fills us, and we need that revival of the Holy Spirit. Individually, each one of us need the reviving of the Holy Spirit. That we will not just take a Christian life as just coming to hear a sermon and going back, and that's it. But you will experience the freshness of the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit will be your companion. He will really fill your life. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can experience Him. I had a very powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. A few months after becoming a Christian, and up to this day, it sustains me. It keeps me on. Yes, I have my spiritual lows. Yes, I have all my challenges. But the thing that makes the difference is that relationship with the Holy Spirit, whereby you can come before Him and say, Fire of God, wind of God, fall on me again. And He will do it. David constantly went before God and said, Revive me, O Lord. And we need that. The church needs that as well. There's only one way that the church can, can go forward and it is by the presence and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Fresh fire, fresh wind. All the church of the Lord Jesus Christ need that fresh fire and fresh wind upon each and every one of us again so that we may catch a vision of what God has for us and be empowered to preach the gospel. Jesus says, you shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses. There was a time when Moses was down and lost. And God sent him into the desert. God sent him to the desert and there was the burning bush. There was a time when Jonah was lost. God sent a wind to blow the sheep into a certain direction. And Jonah came back to God. There was a time when Elijah was down. God sent him to the highlands, to the mountains, and there the wind of God swept through and he heard the voice of God. Perhaps you are weary. Perhaps you are dejected. Perhaps you are down. Perhaps you are sick. Perhaps you have lost your direction. Perhaps you have lost your vision of serving the Lord. God has a fresh wind for you. God has a fresh fire for you. What is fresh? Fresh is something new. Something that you have not experienced before. A new product. God works in different ways in each one of our lives. But there is always a freshness in God. All fire will not do because... The, we are up against the devil's schemes and devices. Still wind will not do. There's not enough oxygen there. But there's a fresh fire, fresh wind for each one of us. Do you really want the fire of God? Do you really want the fire of God? Hallelujah! In your life, in your family, in your work, in every area of your life. Do you really want the wind of God to blow in and through you? Or oh, to have that fresh experience and encounter with God once again? 
That's what all of us need. And today, God has a gift for you, the gift of himself, the Holy Spirit. All you need to do is thirst for him. Ask him to fill you. Come before the Lord by faith and receive the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And you will never be the same again. You can experience your personal Pentecost this morning. Fire of God, fall on me. Wind of God, blow on me today. Let's all pray.